0: Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop Founding Farmers Market and Grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house churned ice cream, house roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same day delivery of Available. Good morning, apartment. Good morning, doorway. Morning, wall. Morning, ceiling. Good morning, floor. Ready to start the day.
1: I'm a sneaky little stinker. Gary Hoffman.
2: I hate that guy. I may
3: not be Mel to Barbie.
1: Shannon Farron.
3: I've been through a lot, of Barbie. Well, what are
1: we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. Gary and Shannon.
3: It's
4: just so mind blowing.
1: You're going to be very Ooh, disappointed.
4: I'm a rebel just for kicks, yeah. it since
5: Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We didn't come up with a Tuesday thing, did we?
3: No, there is no Tuesday There's thing. No Why Tuesday. is it? So- hold on. I got to fix Tuesday. the light.
5: What's the matter? It's too bright in here for you? I mean, it's overcast today. We were in the middle of June gloom and and you want to turn the lights down even more? And yesterday, you know, hold on a second. I have a question for yeah. you. This is totally nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. Okay. You yesterday complained about how cold it was in here.
3: It did feel cooler. in here. You're wearing a tank top today. I'm warmer today. I went on a run this morning.
5: Oh. Yesterday, I didn't do anything in the great. morning. Great. You went on a run. I get it. You work out.
3: Um. I woke up how? late
5: today if you want to know. So, no, I didn't run or exercise in any way. Oh.
3: Stop it!
5: <laughs>
3: uh, how pissed off at you? At Wait, me? hold on. Oh. Let me do that again. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. Standing <laughs> how pissed off are you at Major League Baseball and uh, them not being able to get it together? What's- like, we are in the middle of this sports drought, right? We're all hungry. We're thirsty for sports. MLB had a opportunity to come back Put together somewhat of a season and capture all of the kids at home that haven't seen sports in months. Right? They had they they're suffering for numbers, they're suffering for crowds, they're suffering for popularity, and here was their opportunity to take the stage, to take the national stage, and they blew it.
5: I'm almost more angry at the writers i mean the sports writers who said don't worry I, this is just negotiation this is this is all normal this is what players unions and leagues do don't worry there's going to be a baseball season it may not be it may not look like what you're familiar with don't worry it's always going to happen and then this suggestion that even rob manfred's like nah, i don't think we're going to put something together
3: this now. is why i didn't want you to get disappointed this is why I keep telling myself that I'm not going to any NFL games this year. Because I don't want the disappointment to crush me come October when they said the league would begin likely. And so, you still can't
5: go. Do we just write off the year? I mean, do we just put up a Christmas tree and call it good? Be like, forget it. Just just ride this well, out. Well, you next said it's weeks.
3: important to have hope.
5: Yeah, it's also important to not have your dreams crushed in front of you like right. a small animal that right. was run over by a large truck.
3: Like a whale that's blown up on oh the my shores gosh. of
5: Oregon. Now, listen. Oh,
3: my gosh, Jake! Oh, God, Jake! What Jay. is that?
5: Next hour, we'll talk about that story. It's not a new story. If you're familiar with it, it's it's kind of a gross story. It's older but than you. Much older than me. But <laughs> but it is a... Uh, it's one of those funny things that we like to revisit, and it's uh, they've actually opened a park now because of the exploding whale
3: well anyway the president came out today and signed an executive order trying to encourage better police practices establishing a database as well to keep track of officers with a history of excessive use of force
1: today i'm signing an executive order encouraging police departments nationwide to adopt the highest professional standards to serve their communities These standards will be as high and as strong as there is on Earth.
5: (laughs) Although maybe not Space Force high, but on Earth high. The executive order would establish, uh, among other things, a database that would track police officers who garner complaints about excessive use of force uh, in their records. That's one of those things that we talked about yesterday. Remember the three largest police unions or three of the largest police unions in California, San Jose, San Francisco, and L.A., also had that as one of the things that the police unions would absolutely endorse, is that national database. Another one would establish a national credentialing system that would give police departments financial incentive to adopt some of these best practices, and including a, a much wider use of social workers, mental health professionals, on those calls that specifically would require someone with a health background with a mental health background to help deal with people who are who are struggling in some way. The other thing is he uh absolutely banned on a federal level chokeholds. As part of this new credentialing process, chokeholds will
1: be banned except if an officer's life is at risk.
3: That's, Which is interesting. that's the tough part though.
5: Yeah, because that there's a lot of there's a lot of leeway when it comes to an officer to determining whether their their life is at risk. Right. And does it count if they believe that someone else's life is at risk. You know, you're trying to incapacitate someone. And there's a lot... I've been frustrated by the conversation about the difference between a chokehold and a carotid hold because the chokehold is when you've got your arm across someone's throat and your attempt is to choke them. When you talk about a carotid hold... It's not on the throat. You're not pushing on the throat. You're pushing on the sides of the neck, and the plan is you're going to knock somebody out long before you would be able to kill them. And the whole point of it is just to incapacitate them to the point where you, as in the officer in this situation, you would have control over the situation.
3: It looks like in Atlanta, they're getting even more detailed when it comes to police reform. They are changing the use of force policy. We'll talk about the plan in Atlanta when we come back.
5: Gary and Channa will continue.
3: Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. PGE expected to plead guilty today to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter in connection with that campfire up in Butte County two years ago. Wildfire caused by that faulty electrical grid wiped out the town of Paradise, killed 85 people. PGE expected to plead guilty to an additional count of causing a fire that resulted in a great bodily injury. Sentencing is set for later this week. You know, who else is some uh, victim impact testimony you know who else is in
5: court today is uh, Joseph D'Angelo is expected in court in Sacramento today. The former police officer accused of the rapes and killings attributed to the Golden State killer is going to plead guilty. Uh, I don't it was supposed to be this month, I think, is what they said, June 29th. There was supposed to be some court action today. And I don't know if it was just a preliminary discussion with the judge or something like that. But anyway, that was a, a big deal. Um so we are talking about police reform ideas. The the president signed an executive order today to change things on a federal level when it comes to some specifics about policing reforms. Um, there's a Senate Judiciary Committee meeting today, this afternoon, on police use of force and community relations. Yesterday, we saw Keisha Lance Bottoms, the mayor of Atlanta, talk about the death of Richard Brooks from Friday night. This is where the officer uh, shot and killed him while Richard Brooks was holding the other officer's taser and had reached behind him to shoot the taser at one of the officers, uh, and then he was shot and killed by an officer. It
3: pissed me off. It makes me sad, and, it makes, and I'm frustrated. And nothing I can do is going to change what happened on Friday.
5: So she signs uh, or says that she's going to sign a series of administrative orders that require Atlanta police officers to use only the amount of objectively reasonable force necessary to protect themselves or others to make an arrest or to bring someone resisting under control and talked a lot about de-escalation.
3: Officers should use de-escalation techniques to gain voluntary compliance and avoid or minimize the use of physical force and to continuously develop, update, and train officers in de-escalation techniques.
5: One other soundbite real quickly was just about resistance rules. They
3: will include addressing APD's officers' response to resistance generally and specifically regarding the use of deadly force in accordance with the principle that officers should use only the amount of objectively reasonable force necessary. A lot of people argued that the taser is seen as a non-lethal weapon when a police officer is holding it, but when... Uh, This man grabbed a hold of it. Suddenly it's being deemed as a lethal weapon and that you can't have it both ways. Atlanta police policy currently, as it stands, allows officers to use deadly force to apprehend a suspected felon when the officer reasonably believes the suspect poses a deadly weapon, possesses a deadly weapon or any object, device or instrument, which when used offensively against a person is likely to or actually does result in seriously in serious bodily injury.
5: That's a key phrase right there, because that doesn't say likely to kill somebody. Right.
3: So under current police policy, what the officers did at that Wendy's, it sounds like there's wiggle room there.
5: Well, there is wiggle room. The only thing that I think goes against the officer in this case, or I shouldn't say the only thing, but one of the things that goes against the officer in this case, a guy named Garrett Rolfe, was that, um, Richard Brooks was running away from the officers. Had he been coming towards right. the officer with a taser in his right. hand and was trying to deploy the taser, that's different. But he was running away from the officers right. as they were pursuing him.
3: Now, the task force there in Atlanta has already had this use of force policy under review. They convened last week. They're expected to issue initial recommendations in 14 days about changes that they think would be appropriate. And then they're going to have a period of community input and the finalized recommendations are going to be out in 45 days.
5: Uh, Here's here's a, a general problem that we've seen with police use of force in any situation. And that is you're asking human beings to determine situations based on legalese and in in, you know, split seconds that no human being can do there's nobody who can hit the pause button on whatever in in the moment situation is going on and say to themselves okay well clearly richard brooks does have a, a weapon that is likely to result in serious bodily injury i mean he's gonna he's gonna tase the cop and the cop's gonna fall face first uh flopping around that's gonna cause serious bodily injury or could Okay, but he's running away from me. So should I shoot or shouldn't I shoot? Ah, uh, what do I do? Nobody has the luxury of time in those instances. And the the problem I think with with uh I don't know, it's it's not a problem to review a, a use of force policy. It's that when you start adding lines and lines of language about what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. I don't even. I don't. I have no idea how you'd be able to train that in the academy, or train it in an ongoing basis.
3: Yeah, I mean, the adrenaline in those confrontations is off the charts. Uh, the fact that they're able to react—I uh, don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to judge those reactions in the moment. When I mean, I I, I know what it's like. I've seen it happen. I've been in a patrol car. When the when we had to chase somebody, I was on a ride along for a DUI. And this was years ago. And I'm with the, the PIO for the police agency. And he sees another officer make a traffic stop. And that officer is at the driver's side window of the vehicle and the vehicle. He, he's halfway in his, his torso is kind of in almost in the car looking at whatever he's looking at in there with the flashlight and And all of a sudden, the car takes off, floors it. And the officer is kind of thrown onto the ground. He he, he gets up, gets into his vehicle. But we were already going in that direction. So the PIO gives chase because of what he saw happen with the officer. And I'm sitting in the driver's side seat. And the passenger this, seat. I'm sorry, the passenger seat. And I'm looking over at this, this officer and he goes from zero to a hundred in terms of his physical reaction like that. I mean, heavy breathing, he's fidgety, he's moving, he's, you don't know what you're going to encounter. Right. And then the guy crashes into a fence, jumps out. You, it's dark, it's pitch black. You don't know if he's got a weapon or anything, runs into a field he, pu- he he pulls over the PIO and says, stay here, <laughs> grabs his gun and takes off. And I'm just sitting there and he doesn't know what he's an encounter out there, but I could feel his adrenaline. I could, yeah. like, feel it, you know, and
5: uh, and you got to stay in the car and you could. Oh, feel and adrenaline.
3: I was crapping my pants,
5: um, you
3: know, because I- you don't you don't know what you're going to encounter. Now, the, the, the guy at the Wendy's, they already knew that he wasn't armed. Right. That's the thing. And he was running away. Um, He does turn around and point the taser as he's running. So there is an argument, I think, that they could make that uh, they they were afraid, like you said yesterday, that if they were tased, they would be incapacitated. He could grab their weapons and then everyone's at risk. Um, But it's it's not. It's not an easy situation. It's rarely to cut and dry. Those reactions.
5: Um, the DA in this case in Fulton County has said that the decision on whether to file charges could come as soon as tomorrow. They could be anything from voluntary manslaughter to murder. So, um, the police chief in Atlanta uh, resigned a few hours after the shooting. The other officer on the scene uh, has been placed on administrative duty, uh, but has not been fired at all. All right, when we come back, ABC is dealing with some interesting. Uh, Um, Allegations of racial disharmony, perhaps, is one way to put it. We'll talk about that, what Michael Strahan had said as well about his time at ABC.
3: Gary and Shannon will continue.
5: KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Good news today, uh, coronavirus-wise. Dexamethasone, a pretty common steroid drug that's been used for quite a while, uh, decades actually, to treat conditions from uh, altitude sickness to eye inflammation. Dexamethasone has been shown to reduce deaths by a third in some of the sickest patients in the hospital with coronavirus. British scientists said uh, deaths were reduced by a third in those patients who were sick enough to require ventilators. About uh, 20% among patients who had trouble breathing but had not been put on a ventilator. They said that dexamethasone really didn't do anything if you did not require extra oxygen. So if you weren't really sick, dexamethasone didn't do much for you. But if you were very sick... It can definitely help you out. So that's very good news.
3: ABC had a company town hall moderated by Nightline co-anchor Byron Pitts. This was called together in the wake of George Floyd's death. And as anti-racism protests took over the country, Michael Strahan was one of the participants. And he described at ABC very tense situations with executives who got argumentative and loud on the show, and he said that he was very aware he couldn't speak up or raise his voice. He was worried he'd be seen as threatening.
5: Think about that—that that guy, as a football professional football player, was supposed to be seen as threatening. Like that's,
3: that's how he made his yeah, job. but not in real life. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a, and that's one of the things when you're what what is he 6'5", 240? 7
5: feet tall nine hundred pounds. I
3: mean, that's one of those things, though, that even. I mean, it's the same kind of – it's layered because not only is he black, but he's also 6'5", 240 or right. whatever. So it's both of those things together that would make him feel like he has to walk on eggshells around people because he doesn't want to be seen as this, you know, aggressive person. There and was- that's part of the thing. Like, and you you take people that are that big and you think of them as a certain personality, that they're more aggressive or whatever. Yeah. And I just realized this when I, you know, got to know some of the guys that are on the Chargers. You know, and they are like the most meek, mild people. Sometimes yeah. that are huge, and you just, it, it, you know, my nephew's the same way. My nephew is um, going to be eighteen, and he's always been this big kid, like Nick. You know, like, and you think that they're that, you know, you ascribe certain personality traits to bigger people, right? And it's not the case
5: well and and part of it may be that they knew going into it that if they're going to make friends with people they have to they have to overcompensate for their size or their loud voice or their big personality by turning that stuff down, yeah, you know, and they want to fit in in a room they don't want to dominate because then they then they exclude themselves from the rest of the group right um and, and Michael Strahan saying that based on his size and his color, he felt like he could not raise his voice. That does shed some light on what happened between he and Kelly Ripa. Uh, There were some questions about whether they had, um, you know, some personality conflicts. And he said that he's had jobs where he got there and felt like, wow, I didn't know I was supposed to be a sidekick. I thought I was coming here to be a partner and asked if he was referring specifically to live with Kelly. He said, it was an experience. That's all he said. He admitted that there were some communication problems between him and Kelly Ripa, that they had deteriorated significantly and that she had refused to meet him after he announced that he was going to leave the show and, and speak specifically or go directly to um, Good Morning America. Now, all of this comes on. That that meeting, you said, took place at the beginning of June. There are new allegations against ABC specifically that, a, uh, that one person – She's the
3: head of ABC News' talent division.
5: Yeah, she's the one who's going to be responsible for negotiating these long-term contracts with all the big ABC personalities that you know. Uh, Barbara Fedida, I think is her name.
3: She's been placed on leave pending an investigation by ABC News, but they said that she uh, had made racist remarks to black staffers, that she allegedly called The View co-host Sunny low rent and quipped that ABC News doesn't make... Robin Roberts picked cotton when questioning a potential pay raise for her. The hell.
5: Now. I've seen some lists within the last week or two that are like 10 statements that you didn't know were racist, but they really are. Um. None of the none of those lists included the term pick cotton because no, I a think more everybody yeah everybody knows that one uh, is laced with some some pain involved. Uh, she says Barbara Fadita, um had said that these she's denied all allegations. She's never engaged in any abuse of her inappropriate behavior. She says I've been champion for increased diversity in network news. Building a news division where everyone can thrive has been my life's mission. So she's being accused of being sort of the the face of systemic racism when it comes to network news, even though if she's the one who's saying these things, isn't she the racist? I mean, ABC News, that doesn't make ABC News the business racist. It makes this woman racist if she did say these things.
3: But if she was allowed to say those things and continue to work there and people looked the other way, then that's a culture. That's true. All right, coming up next, we have Terror in the Skies. I've got a way for you to get around it. It's going to involve you breaking the law.
5: (laughs) Gary and Shannon's law-breaking school (laughs) when we
3: come back.
5: (laughs) Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Economically, uh, retail sales jumped by a record almost 18% from April to May. Government reports show the retail sales jumped 17.7%, clawing back some of the month-to-month drops that we saw. March was down 8%, April down almost 15%. Still, uh, we are nowhere near where we need to be. Retail sales remain um, severely damaged. Purchases are still down about 6%, more than 6%. From a year ago, president has said that John Bolton may have a very strong criminal problem if he goes forward with his plan to uh, publish a book on Tuesday. The The book uh, is titled The Room Where It Happened is supposed to be out on Tuesday. And according to the president, it includes information from, from some very highly classified conversations. Uh, ABC, by the way, got the first big interview. ABC is going to interview John Bolton for an hour on Sunday night.
3: Well, our return to air travel is going to be something that needs to be uh, worked out. It looks like, and we'll be talking um, coming up later in the show, all about the new policies uh, coming up about one o'clock. A lot of people returning to air travel are not wearing their masks. And that's about to change, they say. Industry trade organization, Airlines for America announced its carriers will be vigorously enforcing the face-covering policies. I talked to people who have flown, and everyone says that everyone on the planes has the masks on. Yeah. I haven't heard, I guess there's more people now boarding planes without them. I didn't think you could. I didn't think so either. Well, I've got some bad news. Uh, Airlines, including EasyJet, KLM in Europe, Delta Airlines, and American Airlines have made for terror in the skies.
2: Ah, terror! Flight 209, are you are cleared for take off. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough!
4: I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane!
6: It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI.
3: Those mentioned airlines will not allow you to have a drink.
5: No alcoholic drinks.
3: No alcoholic
5: drinks. They they say that they're revising their food and drink service to minimize interaction between crew and passengers and to make sure that everybody is safe.
3: You know what you still can have, though? Uh-oh, here it comes. Is that... Well, wait a
5: minute. I want to... But wait. Before you get into the... Before you steer people down a path of... Uh, Crime. Of, ...from which they cannot return, um, why can't they just give out... Th- but Bo- what? Okay, hold on a second. If I'm if I order a gin and tonic, yeah, on a flight, mm-hmm. why can't they just give me the gin and tonic? They just give me a little. Boop, there you go, sir. Here's your bottle of pre mixed gin and tonic, or here's your here's the gin that you ordered, and here's a little bottle of tonic that you ordered. And knock yourself out. Right. Why are they, Why are they so concerned about the?
3: I think because they think that when you have a couple pops, that your inhibitions are relaxed and you're more likely to engage in behavior that is not as sanitary in these COVID times. So they're you know, you're taking, go, going crazy with the willy nilly with the mask. You're taking that thing off. You're talking to people more than you would talk to people. So
5: five rum and Cokes in, I'm going to start licking the hand rest.
3: Yeah. So here's what you do.
5: <laughs> or just the tray table, just face down on that tray table. You still <laughs>
3: can have your toiletry bag. Men can have toiletries too. Shave gel. It's called a dog kit. Right. Yes. All of that. So what you do is you go buy yourself at CVS some of those three or four ounce little shampoo bottles. And you fill those things up with uh, with whatever you like. Vodka.
5: Buy the empty ones is what you're saying. Buy the empty ones. okay? And you the fill
3: form. them up. And then it's like that's shampoo. That's face okay. wash. So... Now, if you get caught, yeah, I was just going to say,
5: so you're in row 17... Uh, not in the middle. You're in the window seat, and you've put back six shampoo bottles of Grey Goose already, and you've left them lined <laughs> up on your tray table. <laughs> that you, doesn't raise the You've got to put it
3: away uh, right away. You've got to be slick with this. So you know you got to make sure to, to pour it in when the flight attendant's not in your uh, vicinity. I, I also have the question. And I don't. And you got to be now. You got to be. Uh, you got to be slick because your seatmate might be a snitch.
5: Well, the good news is they're at least two seats away from you, right? I mean, there's an empty seat between the two of you, so maybe you could put up a, I don't know, a barrier of some kind. I think people
3: are probably keeping to themselves uh, on those flights. Is it specifically alcoholic drinks? Like, I could
5: still get my ginger ale, but I can't get
3: a Moscow mule. While customers can bring food and non-alcoholic drinks on board, at the beginning, the only refreshments on offer will be water. So here's even a better idea. You mix your drink before you get on board. You know, you go get a Sprite or something. Can you still get a... And then you pour your shampoo bottle into the Sprite, and then you can take that on. It looks like you're just having a Sprite. And you lack the ice, which oh, is a problem. I see. But- so what
5: you're saying is you've already mixed your drink.
3: Yeah. Okay.
5: Well, and you could take a bottle of water of some kind, right? If you take five or six of your empty shampoo bottles and pour it into the bottle of water so it looks like a bottle of water when, in fact...
3: Hoffman, uh, that's next level.
5: (laughs) Grandma's little helper is in that bottle.
3: Four or five of Grandma's little helper. All right. uh, Coming up next, we'll get back to lawfulness on the show.
5: Yes. Uh, We will talk about Joseph D'Angelo, the uh, suspected Golden State killer. Uh, We'll talk about his uh, plea deal, it looks like, is in the works. Gary and Shanna will continue right after this. AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You heard Layla mention this. The president signed an executive order on policing. This order aimed at encouraging best practices. Uh, it'll track officers with excessive use of force complaints. The president today talked about the need for higher standards and uh, talked with the, the families of some people he said had died at the hands of police. Uh, Senate Republicans are also doing their own package of policing proposals. Democrats have come out with one also. Uh, good news, bad news when it comes to coronavirus. The British researchers have said that de- dexamethasone is a common steroid that's been used for decades to treat all kinds of different con- conditions. But that dexamethasone has been shown to reduce deaths by a third in those patients who were sick enough to require mechanical ventilation. So that's good. But but Beijing is uh, undergoing a, a hot spot right now. They said that the, the coronavirus outbreak in Beijing is extremely severe, although they're only saying dozens more cases. They're not saying hundreds, and in, you know like we saw several months ago, thousands of cases per day. But in Beijing, neighborhoods have been fenced off. Security checkpoints have been set up. They're walking around <laughs> doing temperature checks on people in the middle of the street. Uh, and trying to keep all high-risk people from leaving the city.
3: Well, it looks like the Golden State Killer, and we mentioned this yesterday, will be getting a plea deal which would spare him the death penalty, which in California makes sense because we don't enforce the death penalty in this state. Prosecutors and defense attorneys for Joseph D'Angelo have reached a deal it includes this guy monster pleading guilty to crimes that they were not able to charge him with because the statute of limitations had run out jennifer carroll is one of the family members that was consulted one of the family members of a victim she's the daughter of lyman smith who was killed in 1980 she and other victims family members were included She said the families had to stay quiet while the prosecutors and defense attorneys figured out the details.
5: Must have been hard. Uh, DA's office, at least in Sacramento County, put out a statement and said victims and their loved ones have a right to be heard. All six DA's offices involved in the prosecution of People v. D'Angelo are working closely with the victims to ensure their statements are considered by the court prior to sentencing. And there will be, I I think they said uh, six, Sacramento, Ventura, Santa Barbara. Orange, Tulare, and Contra Costa counties are all involved in the prosecution of this case.
3: He's accused of killing at least 13 people. The rapes were far more common. They say he raped more than 50 women. Broke into dozens of homes in the 70s and 80s. Just arrested in Citrus Heights in 2018 thanks to that DNA technology. Yeah. And living a double life.
5: Just a... Now they're saying they're, you know, even if we get this guy in court on June 29th, which is currently the next court date for him, and that's when he would plead guilty to all of these and uh, instead go to um, uh, life in prison. There's certain sources that have talked to the Sacramento Bee that said that he has a very unpredictable nature. And they're not guaranteeing that this goes forward, that between now and June 29th, you know, a couple of weeks from now, Things could change as terrifying as that is for those families. Uh, I, I don't think that's likely, but but that's one of those things that the families are going to have to deal with. Can
3: you think about how much money this is going to save when it comes to not trying oh this? Because they said that they, the prosecutors would have had more than 150 witnesses, and you've got to bring those people in. Some of them are in their 80s. All, I mean, it would have been months, a months-long trial. Yeah, and –
5: and like you said, I mean, we don't even have the death penalty, but it would be likely that those those uh, D.A.s would go after the death penalty in this case. Just I mean, just the sheer nature of it. And then you've got to deal with the repercussions of even if we, there is no death penalty down the road, you still have to play as if there is a death penalty, which is going to go through all the different reviews of the it, or unless that's on hold.
3: You know, I can't not think about Michelle McNamara every time we do this story. Yeah. Uh, the author of I'll Be Gone in the Dark, kind of just one of the those people, those citizen detectives who wanted to figure out how this guy was able to operate for so long and never was captured. And it's a great book. She died before it was finished. There's definitely a drop off. No, no disrespect to whoever picked it up. I forget his name. But uh she was a very talented writer brilliant detec- citizen detective and it was the bane of her existence to figure out who this guy was i feel i feel like we finished reading it and they it ha- they caught him like within weeks
5: you finished i i didn't read it until just uh the just, i just mean
3: me and my friends oh. i feel like every woman read this book around the same time and That's then so
5: funny because I would never have, never would have crossed my mind. Yeah. Uh. But after, you know, after he was arrested, and you know, the follow through with Patton Oswald, who was Michelle McNamara's husband at the time, um, that that he was celebratory on his, you know, late wife's behalf that this guy had finally yeah. been caught. I mean, that was an, in- and I remember finally going through that that book, um, and there was a, it similarly the hunt for the green river killer up in Washington state. There was a book that had been written uh, about it and talked about different suspects that were involved. And when they finally did find Gary Ridgeway and and connected him to this case of these missing and uh, murdered women and girls, it was one of those, it was a relief. You know, there was somebody out there who was, who was sniffing around this case the entire time. And while they couldn't put that story together themselves, it definitely aided in investigators coming forward and being able to do it. If
3: you're interested in that one, that was the Ann Rule book, right?
5: I think so. Uh, yeah. Green
3: River Running Red. That's uh, number one New York Times bestseller there. Um,
5: again, that's June 29th is when Joseph D'Angelo is expected in court to plead uh, guilty. When we come back, the uh, the – governor had asked people to come forward and you know give some stuff uh, and to help fight the coronavirus and put up a website for people to do that it was filled with crap it was filled with just absolute bs and that's just kind of what the internet does now is uh, there are times when it's a wonderfully beautiful place it's rare but it could happen most of the time it's just a cesspool and people are just the turds floating around in it
3: oh wow that was a word picture Gary and Shannon.
5: Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A little bit later, we're going to revisit the whole... Uh Airline industry, see how things are going. Ryan Burrow is going to talk with us about that. We have Swamp Watch coming up at the bottom of the 12 o'clock hour. We're going to talk more about what the president signed today in terms of the executive orders for uh, changing policing in the United States. We have our small business shout out. We have Exploding Whale Memorial Park.
3: Oh, my goodness. Coming up my later this hour. Favorite story from 1970. Not fake. Not fake. Who thought that was going to be a good idea? Well, they thought it was going to blow out into the ocean. They
5: thought. How? Apparently, how they dumb didn't know how dynamite works. So, I don't know. Who
3: didn't envision the.
5: Well, when you're working for, like, the Oregon Department of Transportation, I'm pretty sure you never thought you'd be called on to blow up an entire whale.
3: Mm. I mean, who did not see the rainstorm of dead. Whale blubber raining down on the, the children that had gathered to watch this <laughs> the in The sound of the chunks of whale
5: falling around Did you them? see
3: the size of the crater that that piece of whale left on that hood of a car? <laughs> yes. It was a little, wasn't that it was a bloody, Volkswagen? Nasty. And they said the smell. Smell.
5: I think I've been to that part of Oregon.
3: I think we should go and do the show from there.
5: Exploding Whale Park. Yeah. Um, So back in April, Gavin Newsom met the moment, one of many moments that he's met in the last several months, and launched a website where you could contact the state and offer up first responder gear, you know, the PPEs that everybody needed. We needed the gloves. We needed the N95 masks. We needed the face coverings. We needed the hospital gowns uh, or the, the surgeon scrub. We, we needed all this stuff, right? We were woefully unprepared for the first wave of COVID-19. Um, so people came out, and in some cases, they offered absolute crap. Someone in L.A. found seven masks while cleaning out an apartment and asked if they could donate them to, to the state. Somebody offered an ice machine. Oh, that was nice. Somebody offered an orthopedic boot that they had found in their closet because, you know, coronavirus. Um along with some small gestures came a an array of sales pitches. And the Sacramento Bee did the legwork on this and found six thousand different submissions. And people were looking to cash in on the chaos. Obviously, some of the big ones we know about some of the big plans to dupe the state there were about uh, 40 state officials from different agencies who were screening each of these entries and if they sounded at all normal or sane they would flag it and go through a longer vetting process to see if in fact that that company that person should be called to see if they would be able to supply things for example There was an entry from BYD, which is a Chinese company that makes electric cars and buses. And although they make electric cars and buses, they said that they had modified their Chinese factories to make masks, which a half a second of thought makes you go, wait a minute. You went from making cars to making masks? It doesn't make sense. But anyway. Well,
3: a lot of businesses shifted into mask making. Yeah, but from cars
5: you, you're not going to go from a front fender machine to a mask machine. Anyway.
3: Well, there was rife with, as you could imagine, fraud. Right. And lies and hope so, that they would be able to uh, to produce the things that they were promising.
5: Hope. Good word. BYD said that they could deliver hundreds of millions of masks. Three days after they put their thing on the website, they had received a billion dollar deal. With the state of California.
3: Bear Mountain Development contacted the state, said it had up to 300 million masks that were currently located in California. They're already to, here. You have to wait. Um, available for immediate delivery, Love 575 it. each. So how this much money did they get? $800 million. But the state walked away on that contract because Why? The company didn't have the goods.
5: Here's another one. Blue Flame, $456 million for 100 million masks. After they went through the porthole, that deal collapsed as well. They're now under investigation from the U.S. Department of Justice.
3: Wait, the government in California screwed something up? Well, listen, it's that. With money that that we give it? It's that they were
5: scrambling and couldn't figure out how to do this. Like, they had not figured out you can't just crowdsource something as important as this. There's a, a, a di- director of the Marshall Center for Global Supply Chain Management at USC. and when he was contacted by a reporter, he laughed at what this reporter was describing to him as these uh, these recommendations that came in. and he said that our system is backward. It allows price gouging, illegitimate product, false premise uh, promises and extreme confusion. And this is the worst part about it. We are in the year 2020, right? Our amazing Silicon Valley, the brain trust that drove the computer revolution in the 80s is 50 years old now. Are you telling me that we don't have people technologically savvy enough to figure out supply chain issues when it comes to products as simple as N95 masks? And I'm not saying it's, Simple to produce if you don't have them, but they do exist out there. And we can't have a portal that gets you into somebody important in state government that can make a decision about that
3: somewhere. Are you surprised? Steve Jobs is slapping his forehead. All right, Gary and Shannon will continue.
5: Shannon. kfi am 640 live everywhere on the iheart radio app next hour we get into swamp watch we'll talk more about what the president did today in the signing of an executive order on policing aimed at encouraging best practices tracking officers with excessive use of force complaints outlawing chokeholds talk about uh, all of that in uh, swamp watch
3: and we have the tale of the exploding whale oh, coming yeah. up next. Don't well, not forget. the
5: tale of it. Well, I mean, yes, the t- the tale like the was part of it. The tale was definitely part of. it. If you haven't seen that, it's it's one of those things. It was one of the first things I did when I moved to Seattle. Was I found out about that story? And it's not a Seattle story, but it was you know the one of the TV stations that was there, KATU, out of Portland, was uh, an affiliate of ours that uh, Como in Seattle, and we had to watch. It was like. You had to be indoctrinated into the Pacific Northwest lore, and yeah. that is definitely part of it, this exploding whale.
3: Wow, the AP gave this alert red. Isn't that nuts? The PG&E story. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen that many times, but uh, PG&E has pleaded guilty to the deaths of 84 people. In the 2018 Northern California wildfire.
5: Give you an idea of how long this lasted? How do you
3: plead to violation
1: of penal code section 192B, involuntary manslaughter as a felony concerning the death of Joyce Atchison, as alleged in count two of the indictment?
7: Guilty, Your Honor.
1: Count three. On behalf of PG&E, how do you plead to violation of penal code section 192B, involuntary manslaughter as a felony concerning the death of Herbert Alderman, as alleged in count three.
3: Guilty, Your Honor.
5: Now listen, they went through 84 counts. They
3: should have to hear each and every name.
5: If you're the attorney whose job it is to plead guilty on behalf of PG&E, how is that not the worst day of your life? Listening to all 84 names called out
3: like that. I don't know if if it would be the worst day of the lawyer's life because he didn't have much to do with the fact that PG&E failed to upkeep its equipment and continue to raise rates and yet just not care about the safety of the electrical grid. Yeah, I know he's not a lineman out
5: there, but I mean, just...
3: It's the. There's a, there's it's not the linemen either. It's the executives that sat in there and did cost benefit analysis, and and, 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 and got all those those and didn't bonuses. Didn't allow the linemen to exactly, do exactly exactly. But if
5: you're the lawyer and you're listening to the judge say this, and every time the judge say uh, says a name, that person's face is shown up on a big screen in the courtroom, which is what they did. Good. Um, the CEO, Bill Johnson, said our equipment started that fire and he apologized directly to the families of the victims and said PG&E will never forget the campfire and all that it took away from the region. The admission was part of this plea deal. They had to come out and they had to say that pg also pleaded uh, guilty to one felony count of unlawfully starting a fire.
3: So, Later today, uh, Mike Ramsey, the DA up there in Butte County, who has been the DA there for 500 years.
5: It's, I guess that's true, huh? Uh,
3: is expected to release a long-awaited report detailing the corporate misconduct that ignited that wildfire that wiped out Paradise.
5: Yeah, I. <clears throat> there's no prospect of jail time. Clearly, it's a corporation. I guess you you could argue that some of the ex- executives should have faced jail time yes. for this. Um, but they're trying to use this hearing to force pg to confront all of this, to confront the fact that they absolutely blew it, that they had plenty of warnings, that they knew that there were going to be problems with high winds, that they knew that there were going to be problems with uh, poor infrastructure, et cetera, stemming from their corporate culture of placing this greater priority on profits for shareholders over protecting the safety of the Northern Californians and anybody else in California relies on pg e for power.
3: The company won't be placed on criminal probation unlike what happened after its natural gas lines blew up a neighborhood in San Bruno, killed eight people in 2010. That resulted in a criminal conviction that put uh, them on a five-year probation that ends in January 2022. <laughs> what good that did?
5: Well, they also, you know, pay the $25.5 billion. The... Uh, the hearing today, by the way, is really the first phase of all of this because there will be more than 20 family members of people who were killed in that fire from 2018 who are expected to go before that same judge tomorrow and then give their witness, witness impact or victim impact yeah. statements. And then the company itself will be sentenced either on Thursday or Friday, whatever that means, whatever fines are imposed or how you would even... I mean, if they've already agreed to pay $25 billion for the losses, does the judge put a price tag on 84 lives? Is that possible? Do you say a million, a half a, t- 10 yeah, million?
3: Done all the time,
5: yeah. A billion per life and then tags them with an $84 billion fine? Uh we knew that this was coming and this is just one of those things it's finally it's yeah, finally actually happening. <clears throat> All right. Can uh, we get to
3: my favorite story of nineteen seventy?
5: I this is your favorite story of the entire year?
3: You know, I don't know much about nineteen seventy. I wasn't here.
5: Well we can rank. We can uh, rank some of them.
3: But I will look up the things that happened in nineteen seventy. So far this is a front runner.
5: Uh my favorite line in the story that Nick gave us was The Navy says they didn't use enough dynamite.
3: (laughs) No. Yep. No.
5: The Exploding Whale Memorial Park is now open along the Oregon coast. We'll tell you about the whole story when we come back.
3: The Chiefs won the Super Bowl that year.
5: To Gary and Shannon. Everybody knows
3: that. Beat the heavily favored Minnesota Vikings.
5: Everybody knows that. In Super Bowl four? Three? Four. Four. four.
3: Look at you. Good job.
5: Thank you. I can count (laughs)
3: 1970, Black Sabbath's debut album, the Ford Pinto is introduced, Monday Night Football debuts, The Odd Couple premieres, Janis Joplin dies. Oh, that's,
5: that's
3: not good. The problem, no, not the problem.
5: The nice thing is the exploding whale debacle happened in uh what was it what's the actual place in the Oregon coast? Florence, that's what it was. Florence. Florence sounds like a nice place to be.
3: So this massive whale washes up on the shore dead on arrival. If you watched this package by reporter Paul Lindman, reporting for KATU News. You'd think it was a bit because it's very comical, but no, it actually happened. It
4: had to be said, the Oregon State Highway Division not only had a whale of a problem on its hands, it had a stinking whale of a problem. What to do with one 45-foot, 8-ton whale dead on arrival on the beach near Florence? It had been so long since a whale had washed up in Lane County, nobody could remember how to get rid of one. In selecting its battle plan, the highway division decided the carcass couldn't be buried because it might soon be uncovered. It couldn't be cut up and then buried because nobody wanted to cut it up and it couldn't be burned. So dynamite it was, some 20 cases or a half ton of it.
3: Uh A guy by the name of George Thornton came up with the blowing it up idea.
5: Yeah, George Thornton, it's... Sounds like a character that Tim Conway Sr. used to play.
3: Yes. Well, I'm confident that it'll
4: work. The only thing is we're not sure just exactly how much uh, explosives it'll take to disintegrate this thing so the scavengers, seagulls, and crabs and whatnot can clean it up. Is there any chance it might be more than a one-day job? Uh, If there's any large chunks left, and uh, we may have to do some other cleanup, possibly set another charge.
3: Now, George Thornton at the time was a highway engineer for the Oregon Department of Transportation. So you could see why he thinks blowing it up is an option. He's a highway engineer. If he needed to demolish a bridge, blow it up. up. But this is a whale, sir. A 45, how big was it?
5: Eight ton, 45 foot.
3: 45 foot whale, sir. That's a whole... Lot of whales. Stand
5: back for a second. I'm gonna blow this thing, ready?
3: Oh. Uh, you can see the delight turns to utter terror. Because giant pieces of blubber are raining down on the town's children. Everybody had gathered (laughs) to see this feat of engineering. There were children there, yes. There were families. There were onlookers. There were news reporters. There were people there with their cameras. They all thought this was going to be this great thing that happened in the town. And they were all inundated with huge chunks of Dead whale blubber raining from the sky. The
4: humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival as huge chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere. Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. The dunes were rapidly evacuated as spectators escaped both the falling debris and the overwhelming smell.
3: (laughs) And the blood. The blood is everywhere. They showed one massive piece of whale. Had to be the size of, I don't know.
5: The size of this desk, probably. The size
3: of this desk, which really the, plays well on radio, it? That hit the it? car? That hit the car.
4: A parked car over a quarter of a mile from the blast site was the target of one large chunk. The passenger compartment literally smashed. Fortunately, no human was hit as badly as the car. However, everyone on the scene was covered with small particles of dead whale.
5: Small particles of dead
3: whale. Can you imagine the smell of that thing? Oh, holy hell. Well, the reason we're bringing it up isn't just to relive great moments in Oregon history, but it is to let you know that the newest park on the Oregon coast there in Florence will be called Exploding Whale Memorial Park. They asked the public for name suggestions. They held a public vote, and the people have spoken.
5: Here's a couple of funny things about that. that. That reporter, I understand is still alive but George Thornton the highway worker who came up with the whole hey let's blow it to smithereens plan yeah he passed away several years ago um, there was an uh, there an was article a, written there about it there was an him.
3: award that menza gives out called Stop. the George Thornton award <laughs> <That's> not true <laughs> uh the
5: the reporter Paul Lindman says of the smell that he could still smell it Forty five years later. Oh,
3: yeah. You smell something like a dead whale blubber right on top of you. (laughs) Well, you know, because it hit some of the people. George, George
5: Thornton shied away from the media afterwards. And the reporter says he never talked to him again following his one and only interview uh, with the engineer the day of the explosion. Um, Thornton had actually uh, been handed the uh, the task of dealing with this whole thing because his bosses were not there. Uh, clearly it was the start of hunting season that weekend and the bosses, the district manager for Oregon department of transportation and his, uh, and his second in charge, they were on a hunting trip.
3: Yeah. Of course,
5: lessons to learn. If you're going to blow it up, perhaps you use more dynamite. I guess the the reporter said they, you know, they used a half a ton of dynamite, But the Navy said, oh, you guys didn't do enough. You guys needed a full ton of dynamite to blow that
3: thing up. One of my favorite parts is when George thinks seagulls are going to eat eight tons of whale.
5: Well, if you could, I mean, if you blow it into tiny, small enough pieces, I suppose.
3: Come on now. The city planned to unveil the new park's name at its annual celebration, Roadie Day's celebration. Uh, This year's theme was going to be Blast from the Past.
5: (laughs) Well, 50 years later, that makes perfect
3: sense. But the coronavirus, they say, blew those plans out of the water. Blew those plans off the beach. Aren't they funny? P.S. Paul Linman, the reporter, got in trouble in 2014 as the Me Too movement was uh, beginning. uh, Because at one point in his career, he told a colleague that she looked pretty in her black dress. That's how nuts that was. You, he was hit with a $300,000 civil suit for telling a coworker, you look pretty in that black dress.
5: Did he say it smarmy or did it he say... It
3: doesn't matter. Well, right? kind of. Because if you go, oh, you look pretty
5: today. Or you go, damn,
3: girl. Damn. Are... <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Ooh, what?
5: You look pretty.
3: (laughs) I think anything in your pajama gram voice is a freaking violation. We
5: have a small business shout out. We have a Swamp Watch coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Man,
3: it's two hours left in this show. Only
5: two hours. How do we, Nick, how are we going to fit all of this into two hours?
3: God, I love that story. You know we should make it Exploding Whale Tuesdays, and every Tuesday we pay homage to Mr. Thornton's decision to rain that whale down on the people of Florence, Oregon. It's not a. Exploding Whale Tuesday. I think uh, we'll continue on Gary and Shannon. Animal
5: rights activists. No,
3: No, 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 no! It was dead. The whale was dead. Show it some respect.
5: Drag it out to sea. Exploding
3: Whale Tuesday. Or how
5: about you just close that thing? I so
3: decree. Did you just drop the pen? Yeah. (laughs)
8: Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together, they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org goldcard. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured
0: by NCU way. Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at farmersanddistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop Founding Farmers Market and Grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, full bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer, and more. Visit foundingfarmersmarket.com to order. Same-day delivery
4: available
3: Gary <laughs> 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 and shannon KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. So why were you
5: even talking about Kevin Costner?
3: Because we've been trying to get Kevin Costner on the show for years, and Nick always says that he's efforting it. I don't know what that means, but I got a, a DM yesterday from somebody who said, where is it, something about Coast having him on.
5: Yeah, Ellen Kay was going to have him on, wasn't she?
3: Yeah, so here was the message. Hey, Shannon, how is it Coast gets Kevin Costner on Air Manana, and you and Gary haven't landed him yet? So I sent that message to Nick and Jacob, and I said, Jacob, this is your project now, because somebody else maybe named Nick hasn't materialized, hasn't had Kevin Costner. I sent
5: an email today. To whom? Whom did you send an email? His to publicist, you? I'll have you know. Aha, uh-huh. sure. You mm-hmm.
8: do. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm.
5: That's not a lie. That's a, a fact. Sent it back with it an exploding, exploding whale. So
3: to, to to steer clear of the animal rights activists, oh, yeah. if we start calling this thing exploding whale Tuesday, yeah. uh, Christian had a suggestion. How about blow it up Tuesday? We'll all know what we're talking about, i.e., the whale, but they won't. Blow it up Tuesday.
5: And just have different uh, explosion sounds?
3: We can still use the whale explosion sound. Somebody
5: inflating a balloon at
3: one point? We can workshop it. Okay. Possibilities are endless. Well,
5: one of our uh, after show meetings, we'll definitely get into that.
3: You always say that when you don't want to do something because we don't have meetings.
5: You said that very quickly as if you were upset at that.
3: I I want to keep the whale with us. What else is going on?
5: Time for What's Happening. President in the uh, Rose Garden today announced his executive order calling for police departments to change the way things are done, encouraging police departments around the country to adopt stricter standards on their use of force, including... A ban on chokeholds.
3: Order also calls for the creation of a database for police departments to share information on troubled officers to prevent them from going from department to department. Also encourages the use of so-called co-responders like social workers and individuals trained in mental health issues to respond to non-violent calls. And the most important
5: aspect of this is that it would tie some uh, funding, some federal funding the department's making these changes. We'll spend some more time on that when we get into uh, Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour. Speaking of, the L.A. City Council is uh, talking about LAPD budget cuts, uh, as everybody has been calling for defunding of the police department. Um, this is supporters of the People's Budget L.A., told council members yesterday morning that L.A. needs to rethink community policing policies.
3: And then Herb Wesson says on Twitter that today he's going to introduce a motion to replace LAPD officers with unarmed non-law enforcement agencies who will be responsible for responding to non-violent calls for service.
5: What happens when one of those people gets their ass handed to him by somebody who decides to turn violent?
3: The city gets sued for liability. And that person or that person's family will win.
5: The People's Budget LA originally seek to have the proposed LAPD budget cut by 90%. 90%. Chris Ancarlo is actually going to join us uh, next hour. We're going to talk more about what this is. What, uh, sorry, I just read a quote from one of the people who said that. The police never helped the situation. He's talking about his uh, parents struggled to get by and often argued, causing the police to show up at their home instead of family therapy workers. Anyway, sorry. Chris and Carl, will talk about it next hour.
3: There's a new poll that says that we are the most unhappy we've been in 50 years.
5: I get it. I get it. Think about what we've done for the last uh, three months now. Uh, Walked around like uh, we were all going to die of Ebola or some other weird bug that was going around. Um, Then uh, we saw massive civil unrest. We saw this reckoning that people have had to go through with themselves and their family members and friends and neighbors about what this country means and how it goes forward from all of this.
3: The study was conducted by Nork at the University of Chicago. It finds that just 14% of American adults say they're very happy, down from 31% who said the same in 2018. 23% that year said they'd often or sometimes felt isolated. Now 50% say that. Well, no S, dude. Who got together and said, let's do a study and see how happy people are? <laughs> of course we're not happy. We've been cooped up for three and a half months. We can't go anywhere. We don't have sports.
5: So uh, it was Kyrie Irving, right, who had suggested that NBA players sit out whatever yes. season they come up with so that they can continue the fight, uh, the movement that has been created it over these it last Katie couple of Was
3: Katie who agreed with that? I think it was. Well, wouldn't it make more sense that you're going to have a whole lot more
5: eyes on a basketball season where you can still make statements That's like what that?
3: Charles Barkley's argument was with Kyrie Irving's argument was that use this platform
5: and there's never been none of the other leagues have taken as an an active stance as the NBA has uh, early on when everything was started going down the NBA is I I think Kyrie Irving might be miscalculating how much of an impact he could have on that and I'm just saying that because sports makes people happy a lot of times and that's one of the things I thought of
3: three New York City police officers have been hospitalized. Apparently, they ingested bleach that had been put into their milkshakes at a Shake Shack. Lower Manhattan, at some point during their meal, they began to feel sick while drinking their milkshakes.
5: All three of them had to be taken to the hospital. They received treatment. All of them are going to survive. Shake Shack and the NYPD chief of detectives said that after a thorough investigation, there was no criminality done by any of the Shake Shack employees. Well, did they explain then how just those three officers were the ones who were impacted by bleach shakes?
3: From another odd... uh, I'm trying to figure out which file Ken would go into for this...
5: Like which desk they'd have to roll in for it.
3: Yeah. Uh, six former eBay employees have been charged with waging an extensive campaign to terrorize and intimidate the editor and publisher of an online newsletter. Went as far as delivering live spiders and cockroaches to their home. They sent a funeral wreath, blood, bloody pig face, Halloween mask. Oh, we've seen that one. That's the... Uh, Remember, we almost got one for the oh, office. Oh, for Pigman. Pigman. Pigman Tuesday. Oh, was that – was Pigman on Tuesday?
5: Yeah, I kind of feel like it was.
3: Oh, man. We blew it on that. Yeah. Or was it Pigman Monday?
5: No, I was pretty sure it was the Tuesday. We'll have to ask Steve. He remembers Pigman. He's the one who brought him to us. Court documents say that two members of the executive leadership team at eBay orchestrated this plot to go after the couple – Because their newsletter published an article in 2019 about a lawsuit that was filed by eBay accusing Amazon of poaching its sellers. And the executive – the article discussed an executive referred only as executive one in those court documents. Uh, But a half an hour after the article was published, executive one texted another executive, executive two, uh, and said they're out with a hot piece on the litigation. If you're ever going to take her down, now is the time. And then all of a sudden, not only did they send that funeral wreath, the bloody pig, the Halloween mask, they also sent pornographic magazines with the husband's name on it to the neighbor's house. Planned to break into their garage to install a GPS device on their car, also.
3: Hey, Nick People suck. I know, they really do. <laughs> People just I'm just trying to hold
2: my tongue. People suck. That's Ugh. been a
3: great takeaway for twenty twenty. We just need to stop sucking. <laughs>
5: Just stop being a-holes to people. Good like, Lord. Like, that's a huge step in the right direction towards harmony.
3: Hey, Nick, uh, I know you're busy getting mm-hmm. Kevin Costner on the horn. Very, yeah. um, But will you start writing down what days we, we name? Name things? Like, Pigman yeah. Monday or Tuesday or Blow It Up Tuesday? Because we we're forgetting in here.
5: Yeah, I'll, I'll figure that out. I could actually find that right now. Okay. What day we did the Pigman.
3: That would, that would be great. We might have to move, blow it up Tuesday,
5: mm-hmm. to a different Tuesday, or to, to a different. Day we did Pigman on a Monday. All yeah,
3: right, Pigman Monday and blow it up Tuesday.
5: Our small business shout out when we come back. We've got to Gary Tarzan Wednesday. Yeah,
3: and nothing for the other two. Yet. Yes, we do. We've got stuff. You seem to be running out of patience at an early time today. AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeart Radio app. You know, we didn't give Nick enough credit. We've been railing at him all day about Kevin Costner and, and his lack of action to get Kevin Costner on the show. But we didn't give him enough credit for uh, Blow It Up Tuesday and uncovering that exploding whale story.
5: <laughs> Our small business shout out today brought to you by LT Generators, your neighborhood emergency generator solution. Check them out at LTGenerators.com is... Euromania up in Santa Clarita, a couple locations now. And Kiriakos Shampi is the owner of Euromania. I got to tell you, one of my all time favorites. I, Kiriakos, you have an, a fantastic Thanks. restaurant.
7: Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Thank you for the support.
3: Of course. So tell us the story behind your restaurant.
7: The story behind, we start uh, 2016 uh, with a food truck on Beverly Hills by Cedar Sinai, the hospital. And uh, it went really good. Uh, So good that six months later, uh, somebody destroyed the truck. Like it was like a vandalism or something, I would say. And uh, we went back in business stronger than ever before. And uh, we saved some money. Uh, long hours, long short is so, uh, short, and uh, we opened the first location in Canyon Country, Santa Clarita, for three years now. And we moved uh, five months ago to Steven's Ranch as a second location.
3: Euromania is the number one restaurant in the state of California, if you look on Yelp. Yeah. Number four spot in, in the, the entire country. country.
5: Opa. Opa. Yeah, yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, what do you guys, what do you call those, uh, the little donuts that you give out?
7: We call them lucumades, but I don't expect nobody to remember that. They just say, <laughs> yeah, I know, Greek donuts and it's more than enough. Uh,
5: I got to tell you, the one thing that I have not yet had at Euromania was the breakfast. But every time I go in there, even, you know, I'm there for dinner or lunch or something, but every time I go in there, I see that breakfast menu. Is that unusual or is, is you know, Greek breakfast a, a, a thing that people should enjoy?
7: Of course. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, a lot of people, they think, oh, Romania is going to be all about euros, right? But uh, the breakfast is absolutely amazing. We make everything, like, fresh. We don't pre-cook the bacon or the hash browns. It's fresh by order. And uh, we're using... The best quality of meat and uh, hash browns. It's absolutely amazing. We have French toast, pancakes. You guys are welcome to enjoy
5: it. Uh, And one of the first things we did when everybody was locked down, by the way, is my wife and I went to to the second location you guys have there in Stevenson Ranch and got some catering dishes uh, full of food that we took over to a friend's house. Uh, How was that? What do you mean, how was it? It it was fantastic. (laughs) Are you kidding? It was absolutely great. Now, uh, catering is also a big part of that. And I know that uh, the website, EuromaniaCatering.com, but you can also follow uh, Euromania on Facebook, at Euromania LA, Uh, all the information about the, of course, you guys have uh, reopened for dine-in with, you know, all of the precautions in place. And uh, we just wish you the best of luck. You know, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic honor that you received from Yelp for being number one in California, number one in the, or number four in the country.
3: No, you put in a lot of hard work to get there, and uh, I'm glad that you're getting rewarded for that.
7: Thank you, guys. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is uh, we didn't even pay Yelp a penny for advertising. It's all
5: natural. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> that's great. Well, that's awesome. Kiriakou Shampi yeah. is owner of uh, Euromania. Thank you. Opa, we wish you the best of luck.
7: Thank you so much, guys. Likewise. Take care. You bet. You too.
5: Again, uh, EuromaniaCatering.com, uh, Euromania LA on Facebook. You can find all, and again, fantastic food. Today's small business shout-out. Brought to you by LT Generators, your neighborhood emergency generator solution. Check them out at LTGenerators.com.
3: Well, the president goes after Biden, and he's not the only one. We'll tell you all about it coming up in Swamp Watch. To knock off a little early from our Zoom call. Still a little like dizzy. Concussion in January.
5: The president says that uh, his former national security advisor, John Bolton, may have some very strong criminal problems. Big problems. That's where we're going to start Swamp Watch.
1: Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together.
5: I mean, listen, it's a book, and uh, John Bolton wrote it for whatever reason, and he's going to make a lot of money on it, so not to say that it didn't happen, the things that he's talking about, but Donald Trump yesterday said that um, that John Bolton's going to have a very strong problem, potentially a very large criminal problem, if he goes forward and actually puts out the book. Uh, we'll see. He was
1: advised. Uh, Not to write it. And he was advised very strongly not to write it until it's cleared. And uh, he couldn't wait.
5: Okay, uh, one thing just quickly. It was supposed to be published earlier this year. The National Security Council had to go through and review the whole thing to make sure that there were no highly classified conversations that he was going to be writing about. He was a notorious note taker um, and a fan of the Gary and Shannon show.
3: Yeah, we had him on.
5: So that's that's good. But the president did say that this was highly inappropriate, that the memoir would be coming out next week. And I will say that The Room Where It Happened, which is the name of the book, is the subject of a huge uh, primetime show on Sunday night on ABC where Martha Raddatz sits down with John Bolton.
3: Well, the president signed an executive order on policing, of course, following weeks of national protests. The order, they say, is aimed at encouraging best practices, tracking officers with excessive use of force complaints. He stressed the need from the Rose Garden for higher standards and commiserated with mourning families.
1: Americans also believe we must improve accountability, increase transparency and invest more resources in police training, recruiting and community engagement. Reducing crime and raising standards are not opposite goals. They are not mutually exclusive. They work together. They all work together.
3: He took the opportunity to go after Biden and Obama, that uh, they did not, were not able to do something similar in the years that they spent in the White House. And he wasn't the only one to go after Biden today. More than four dozen progressive groups have signed a letter to Biden's campaign. Criticizing his policing proposals, yes, they,
5: saying that if he doesn't go far enough, he's going to risk losing uh, a majority of the black vote that would be going for him, assumed would be going for him in November.
3: In the letter, the groups criticized his proposal to add three hundred billion, or excuse me, million to community policing programs. They called on him to support defunding the police. Letter also calls on Biden to support reparations for Black Americans. Biden has called on Congress to pass a law banning the use of chokeholds to stop giving police military weapons, among other measures.
5: Uh, The Senate, there were several senators who were out there in front of the White House today, uh, in the Rose Garden, involved in this and involved with coming up with all of this. The Senate Judiciary Committee is doing a hearing this afternoon also on the police use of force and community relations. Um, They're going to be hearing testimony from civil rights, uh, law enforcement leaders Vanita Gupta is the president and CEO of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and will say now is the time to reimagine a more fair and just society in which all people are safe. She says that this nationwide outcry is anything but a reaction to one isolated incident or the misconduct of a few bad apples. The outcry is a response to other horrific killings of black people by police. So uh, that's going on today as well as the Senate Republicans come up with their own version of a police reform bill. Now, uh, here's an interesting issue. Ben Carson has chimed in on the potential of the president and his attitude towards athletes kneeling during the National Anthem. Ben Carson stands out only because he's the only African-American member of the the president's cabinet so that he is going to work with the president on the issues of athletes taking a knee during the National Anthem. And although the president has come out and I mean, even in the last week has uh, tweeted that he wouldn't watch the NFL if people kneel during the national anthem, that he's not going to watch soccer if they kneel during the national anthem. And Ben Carson says he believes that the president will come around, or the term that he used, he will get there on athletes kneeling. He was asked on a radio show if uh, he might persuade the president not to be upset and he says i don't think he has manifested as much animosity in that region lately and i think we just continue to work with him he'll get there he didn't uh, elaborate any further than that but said that he believes ben carson believes that players are protesting police brutality they're not doing they're not kneeling during the national anthem in an attempt to disrespect the flag
3: all right more swampy swamp when we come back afi am six forty live everywhere on the iheartradio app. Hey, you want some good news? Yes. A widely available drug is showing promise of treating the most seriously ill COVID patients.
5: Uh, so you're telling me that the bottle of dexamethasone I've got in my uh, in my cabinet's going to do yeah. me good?
3: Researchers say that this steroid, dexamethasone, reduced deaths by 35 percent in patients who needed breathing machines. And by 20% among those using supplemental oxygen. Now, we've talked about how the seriousness of people's COVID symptoms have been decreasing. As the medical health professionals learn how to treat it, this seems to be a treatment that is working. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the drug was the biggest breakthrough yet in treating the virus. Anthony Fauci calls it a significant improvement.
5: That's fantastic. Yes. Uh, It's not the end, but it is fantastic. The
3: death toll now exceeds the number of American service members who died in World War I. Well, that's. 116,526.
5: The shutdowns that we've seen because of coronavirus have prompted, of course, the government to come out with the. Paycheck protecting program and small business loans, et cetera, in terms of trying to make sure that those companies that they forced to shut down can survive, hopefully, at least four members of Congress reaped benefits from the Paycheck Protection Program. It's a bipartisan group of lawmakers. They acknowledge that they have close ties to the companies that receive loans from the program that they voted in. Businesses that are either run by their families or employ a, a spouse, perhaps. Republicans on the list uh, Congressman Roger Williams of Texas, a businessman who owns auto dealerships, body shops, and car washes.
3: Vicki Hartzler of Missouri, whose family owns multiple tickle farms and equipment. No, 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 no. no.
5: Uh, oh, just farms. Yeah, just farms uh,
3: across the Midwest.
5: Uh, Democrats on the list Congresswoman Susie Lee of Nevada. Her husband's the CEO of a casino developer. And then uh, Congresswoman Debbie McCarzel of uh, Florida, McCarzel Powell of Florida, her husband is an executive at a restaurant chain that has since returned the loan. Um, The idea that uh, politicians uh, that are on your team are good people and the politicians that are on the Mm. other team are bad people.
3: They all suck. They all suck. People people suck. suck.
2: I thought about it. I said, if I went to a doctor, I could probably have a doctor say that I'm you know, facing a temporary pessimism. Um, temporary because, pessimism. Well, because of what's happening with everything in the world in the last well, few months. Because I'm usually the optimist. Like, oh, people are wonderful. And only they're not. you suck. Now I'm like, Layla, that's the story. We, suck. That's, we talked about this in the trending
5: segment at the top of the hour. The survey that came out that says that. Uh, we're more unhappy today than we've been in 50 years as a population. And I'm
2: not even 50.
5: Well, no, no, I. And I mean that. I mean that people who are normally those optimistic, happy, lovely people to be around. Yeah.
3: Well, what is there to be optimistic about? Major League Baseball owners can't get it together to give us a 50-game season.
5: Um. Retail sales jump by a record 17.7%.
3: You know, you've been in a bad mood all day today, and I think it's because we started the show talking about baseball not coming back. Yeah, we
5: started, ta- we I, just, we started the show that I way. I would
3: like to take this opportunity to apologize <sighs> and say that I have hope.
5: Are you going to tell me that you have good news about it?
3: No. I wish I did but there is none to be had the good news is boris johnson came back from uh, the covid remember he had it yeah remember when we were worried that he was going to that's
5: get- the best news you have <laughs> is that boris johnson didn't die that's really we are unhappy aren't we
3: uh Yeah, I don't have I want to know who's looking over here in the good news file and there's just crumbs. Yeah,
5: I want to know who's the 14 percent of Americans who who say they are very happy right now.
3: Yeah. Wait, let's think who is benefiting from this.
5: Uh, Um, Introverts. Okay.
3: people who don't like other people, people who don't like to do other things. My dad would be perfectly happy and is perfectly happy watching television all day long. Okay. Usually it's sports.
5: Well, so he's not, he might be one of those guys who's. He's
3: probably watching like History Channel stuff.
5: He's happy, but he's not very happy.
3: Right. That's true. Very happy. Hmm. 23%
5: 23% said that they'd often or sometimes felt isolated in recent weeks. Uh, Victor, well, 50, Victor, 50% Victor seems
3: that. like he might be a very happy individual. What does
5: Victor have to worry about? Exactly.
3: He doesn't have to worry about anything. He's 25. His family just bought a smoker so he can make a brisket for his birthday. And uh, would you say you're very happy right now? Yeah. yeah. Oh,
5: so he's See, one of the 14%. Think, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of very happy think people. Think of all
3: those dudes that just want to play video games all night.
5: Yeah, but do they describe themselves as very happy anyway, or they are just they just go, meh? Nah,
3: well, this I'm is an okay. excuse to where they can do that.
5: I don't like that you're making excuses for people. Uh, <laughs> this Saturday, there will be a lot of happy people at the BOK Center in Oklahoma City. Sorry, in Tulsa. Um, where... The president is holding his big rally. 19,000 people will be in there. The president announced uh, yesterday on Twitter, I believe, that he had seen a million ticket requests for uh, for people who want to be there. Uh, the problem is that the in COVID infection rate in Tulsa has been rising steadily. The president yesterday suggested, well, maybe if we stopped testing, the case numbers would go down.
3: You know what was better 50 years ago with reference to that happiness survey? Music. 50 years ago, we blew up a freaking dead whale in Oregon. Oh, you know that what? That was 50 years ago.
5: That is true.
3: And it made people very happy. We don't do that anymore. Yeah, but in 19... Uh, that was 50 years ago. Well, anyway.
5: I I feel like we need to do something to make people happy. Okay. So let's talk about airline travel when we come
3: back. Maybe we can talk about this in our post-show meeting.
5: Oh, great idea. Our post-show meeting. Layla, you're more than welcome to come to our post-show meeting.
3: I'll pass. How how we can make people happy. We'll have to come up with that before tomorrow.
5: Okay. Well, we will be talking with Ryan Burrow about air travel when we come back to Gary and Shane. Your
3: attitude needs a little adjustment, too. Uh, Yes! Gotta keep the traditions alive. (laughs) Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. PGE pleaded guilty today to 84 felony counts of involuntary manslaughter for that wildfire that wiped out a paradise. Took responsibility for the death and destruction as the AP says, caused by its history of neglect and greed.
5: The uh, former police officer accused of uh, terrorizing California as the Golden State Killer is expected to plead guilty. We got more details about the plea deal that would put Joseph James D'Angelo in jail for the rest of his life. They said that there could be uh, as many as almost 90 charges that he would plead guilty to when he goes to a courtroom back, uh, let's see, June 29th.
3: The Vans U.S. Open of Surfing has been canceled for the year because of the COVID. Happens every July. I said it'll be back in 2021.
5: Well, one of the stories that we've talked about is uh, air travel. And over the last couple of months, it saw a massive, massive drop to the point where there were 1 to 3 uh, percent of the normal travel levels going on. It started to bounce back a bit, but there's going to be some issues when it comes to wearing face masks. Who's wearing them, who doesn't, and what happens if you don't?
3: Ryan Burrow is covering the story, joins us now. Ryan, it seems like everyone that uh, Gary and I have spoken with that has flown has said that everyone on board has been wearing a mask, but apparently that's going by the wayside.
2: Well, they want everyone to wear a mask, uh, but they're nervous that people will stop wearing masks or they'll try to enter these flights without masks. We're going to see more and more people flying. I mean, that's just the way it is. And as states loosen up their restrictions, uh, people are going to feel more comfortable getting into a big metal tube and flying with other people. Um, some people, it's going to take a little longer for them to get comfortable with that situation. So what uh, Airlines for America, the uh, industry trade organization, wanted to do is lay down some ground rules, especially uh, they're associated with the the big domestic air carriers we're talking uh, United American Southwest Delta uh, Hawaiian Alaskan Airlines JetBlue and they wanted to to lay down some ground rules so that uh, the airlines could step in if someone refuses to wear their mask because right now it sounds as though you know they're asking everyone to be nice they're asking everyone to follow the rules but really there are no rules in place with any keys, uh to do anything if someone says no. I'm not wearing the mask. Um, so this this puts that in place. In fact, uh, starting the 18th. So what's that's coming up on Friday, Thursday. Um, they're going United Airlines is going to start with these restrictions that uh, you cannot board a flight if you, you're not wearing a mask and when you are on the flight you must wear the mask at all times I think there will be probably some exceptions in there if you're eating the food that they give you or drinking a drink that they gave you although the flight I was on they, they didn't even offer that they, they weren't there you know because of the, the current restrictions they weren't even going to offer that they're trying to limit the amount of contact you're having with these flight attendants but um, if you refuse and you're in the middle of the air and, and you're refusing to wear it uh well then when you land it sounds as though they're willing to revoke your travel privileges with that airline moving forward no more flying for you wow
5: yeah it's i saw that term internal travel restriction list you have to you have to piss off the right people to get on that list because <laughs> right. i right, mean, exactly airlines would love to take your money right uh, and it's I mean, the idea that you would be able to do something behavior wise that would prevent you from flying on that airline is pretty specific now. Is there? Uh, you mentioned this. I mean, that this is the Airlines for America, this trade organization, uh, industry organization. Is there a discrepancy between these airlines? I mean, because it sounds like it sounds like what you're saying is they already have very similar policies when it comes to this.
2: Well, it it sounds as though they are making an umbrella an umbrella statement that says. We, as part of the domestic air carriers, will uh, provide our riders with pre-flight communications. We will give them announcements again when we're on board, and there will be consequences for noncompliance, and that could include the suspension of flying privileges on that airline. Now, when you drill down even further, United Airlines comes out with its own statement, talking about that internal travel restriction list. Uh, American Airlines has its statement as well, very similar to United Airlines, so um, you know, that, that it's more of a blanket broad statement saying this is where we stand. And then each individual airline is going to have their own various consequences for violating.
5: Well, uh, I guess your point about them and also, you know, cutting back on food and beverage service has been uh, one way to keep people in line, too. But um, it's prompted a series of questions about how it is that you can now sneak alcohol onto the flight. Shannon's got some suggestions uh, if you need, if, if you're flying. It. Yeah, but,
3: I mean, it's, it's, uh, they're still letting you bring your beverages that aren't alcoholic on board. So what you do is you just, uh, put a couple of shampoo bottles full of vodka in your toiletry bag, Ryan. Um, bring those through security like you're allowed to do in that one quart, uh, Ziploc, if, if you will. And then you, uh, you take your orange juice that you buy at the airport into the bathroom and you, Throw that vodka in there, and there you go. You got a screwdriver for your morning flight.
2: It can't be that hard because they're allowing hand sanitizer. You just tell them everything's a hand sanitizer.
3: Right, exactly.
2: <laughs> Bourbon is hand sanitizer. Vodka is hand sanitizer. It's fine. It's gin
5: scented hand sanitizer. <laughs> That's how you
3: know someone's from the Midwest. <laughs> there you go.
5: Thanks, Ryan, Ryan. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. When we come back, uh, Chris Ancarlo is going to join us. We'll be talking about the LA City Council and their discussions about the LAPD budgets. Specifically, a budget from People's Budget LA, what it would mean to the LAPD general budget.
3: Gary and Shannon will continue. The Pro Bowl is going to be in Vegas. In January, allegedly, as Golden Tate tweeted, so the NFL Pro Bowl will be in Vegas, huh? They better have the game literally the day the players land. <laughs> <laughs>
5: that's good. I wonder if that encourages uh, more participation. You know, because I know yeah. they've done it in you know they've done it in Orlando. Miami, but when it was in Hawaii, that's I mean, granted, it's not you get to go to Hawaii, but still a hassle for people flying from the east coast or something like that 10 hours to get out there and yeah
3: i think they look at it as like family vacation time
5: baseball commissioner rob manfred says there may be no major league games this year there was a breakdown in talks between the players union on how to split up money in a season that's been delayed of course by coronavirus the head of the union declared additional negotiations futile he said um Go ahead and t- schedule something for us, and we'll show up when and where. And then Rob Manfred said that he was not 100% certain that there would be a season. So uh, sad news, sporting-wise.
3: L.A. City Council is looking at budget cuts today. Uh, Chris Ancarlo is covering this because he likes to cover city council and county board of supervisors <laughs> meetings and all of that.
5: Total nerd. Uh somebody's, great. A, somebody's
3: got it. What? A,
8: what a, what an introduction. First off, you have to mention a quote from Golden Tate. Thank you very much for that, Shannon. You're we'll welcome. talk about it later off air. <laughs> then you have to bring up the fact that I'm not going to be able to watch my Phillies win a World Series. They're first of 12 under Bryce Harper. And now. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, now you're just kind of making fun <laughs> of, uh, of me for enjoying meetings. I do enjoy covering these meetings, um, it, it, but right now I think it's even more important, and I'll just kind of explain why I enjoy it right now because. Uh, there's a lot happening very quickly. I mean, there there has been years' worth of policy that's been enacted in L.A. County and L.A. City in the course of just about the last two or three months. And we're seeing rapid changes to really the fabric of what makes these communities tick. And it's going to be interesting to see how many of these changes um, – are disruptive, and how many of them are productive. So uh, one big, big, big issue has been what has been called the People's Budget LA. Uh, It's a group that's been around before all of the protesting happened, and they had actually been quite organized leading up to the budget, and they were getting zero traction. And you know, I was listening to meeting after meeting after meeting, and these guys uh, were calling into every single meeting, and public comment was going for two or three hours, and it got to the point where they had to cap off public comment because there were just too many people and they couldn't get business done. So they would listen to two or three hours of the same people essentially making the same arguments, but using their organized freedom of speech to, uh, to make an impact and getting nowhere. I mean, no, nothing mentioned, no, no support, no nods coming from any public officials. Fast forward a couple of weeks, and we get into the middle of all of this protesting, and the tone and tenor has changed to such a degree that yesterday... The city council invited the uh, the People's Budget LA, which is kind of go go kind of goes hand in hand with uh, Black Lives Matter, to sit down and present their budget idea to the city council. And so they sat down for a couple of hours, and they had a professional PowerPoint and a professional presentation laid out. And there were seven of them that presented this budget to the city council, and it was remarkable because after they finished with that presentation, the city council members that were present, including uh, council president. Nuri Martinez, um, and former council president Herb Wesson spent some time actually kind of talking about how, well, we kind of agree with you guys. We kind of see where you're coming from and we're going to have to take a a, a bigger look at it. And one of the words that was used repeatedly yesterday was imagine, imagine, imagine. So let's get to today because it was today that a a, um, motion was introduced to the council. And I want to pull up the, uh, the language, the best language that I can here. and the there it is. I apologize. This is live radio, and I'm screwing everything up. Uh, so I blame they, uh, and heard Golden I Tate comment, <laughs> threw threw everything off because suddenly he couldn't catch after he gets all the money. So uh, <laughs> so basically, they've introduced this uh, this motion to create a nonviolent crisis response team, which is. In political speak, that's a bit of cover. So that's saying, hey, um, we are going to go ahead and at least acknowledge the fact that policing needs to change and we need to find a way to change it but not going quite as far as the defunding of police, which is what the People's Budget LA calls for. Their budget actually calls for a 5.7% of the total budget going to uh, LAPD, whereas the current budget level allocation is about 54%. So that's roughly one-tenth of the LAPD budget from year one to year two if the People's Budget LA were to pass, which, of course, it won't. And they know this. They understand that they're coming with a... They won't call it radical, but they understand that they're coming with a radical approach. And the idea is to to pull as much as they can the momentum of city council to start to chip away at the LAPD budget and start throwing it into, as they say, services.
3: And Herb Wesson coming forth with a uh, a new proposal today.
8: Yeah, well, the the proposal is that nonviolent crisis response, but also saying that he is kind of on, he's in favor of the people's budget. Yeah. Uh, I have reached out to his office, so I'm expecting to hear back from him in the next hour or so, because the council meeting just wrapped up. Uh, they're actually in, in closed session right now. Uh, so after closed session, I'm, I'm hoping to get him on the horn and just kind of talk a little bit about what he's introduced today and, and what it is that... Uh, he wants to move forward with because that's i mean he, we have to understand he's also running for office you know this is against the political drop, backdrop as well he's not running for city council again he's termed out so he's actually running for the la county board of supervisors which is of course an incredibly powerful seat he's going after mark ridley thomas's seat who by the way is running for la city council because he's been termed out so the uh the the language that's being used here, I think, is is important to look at and, and parse, but also understand it against this broader political backdrop.
5: Um, in the event that th- we get to the point of public comment, I know that there were talking about, uh, you know, 24,000 respondents showed overwhelming support, uh, support for, as you've mentioned, funding more mental health and wellness services, housing, public health care. Is there anybody who is at least making any sort of noise about Hey, we need to make sure that policing stays funded, that we do not defund the police, that we do invest in those other services, but that we keep the LAPD alive.
8: Not in that language, and I, I, I want to be careful in how I say this because there there certainly are people out there who are saying that silently. Like We're not hearing that out loud because I think that there are some folks who do feel that way but are afraid of being branded as against the broader movement that's happening on the streets, right? And so they don't want to damage either because they're a politician, their political standing, or because they're a public figure, a business person, whatever. They don't want to damage their persona. Um, and so you do hear those sorts of calls. Here's the problem with those calls them is that if you were to do that, where do you get the money? Because the LAPD eats up 54 and uh, eats up is a bad, I'm not trying to take a side one way or the other. The LAPD just looking at it has 54% of the budget of the city budget. And if you want to do these other things, then you have to raise more money because the money just isn't there. They've already maxed out according to the politicians and also, according to the activists, the money's already been maxed out for all of these other services. And so the challenge would be then, OK, we've got to find more money. For example, today, one of the initiatives that that has come up and that was debated was putting a vacancy tax on the ballot coming up in November. Um, and the It was basically a preliminary vote to have the city attorney put language together, blah, blah, blah. But they have to decide on this before June 19th. Otherwise, it won't happen. So you could see a vacancy tax, which basically charges commercial property owners for keeping units open. And that would have a double-edged... Benefit of encouraging those developers to fill those uh, um, units, which L.A. has a ton of them, and then you also end up raising money. You raise revenue that you could dump into other services. So you have other workarounds that are being worked on without it explicitly being stated for the purpose of funding these things that are part of the,
5: again, defund police seesaw battle that we're on right now. Well, someone's got to be a nerd, and gosh darn it, we're glad you're our nerd.
3: Thanks, Chris and Carlo.
5: <laughs>
8: I mean, why does he have to go to the Giants too? Like, he it's, had it's that just, clutch catch a, in the wild such card a, game, though. Such, such a slap in the face because you know it's like it's not. I mean, I guess he could have gone to the Cowboys. That would have been even worse. I mean, that, that's horrible. But the good news is that we're going to have Mike Trout there and for Bryce like Harper. A
3: season or something. Wait, wait.
8: I, I, it's enough for me because we spent way too much money on him and it cost us that season. I know you got to go, but let no, me wait, just wait, say wait, wait. I, I can't wait. Mike game
3: for Trout, you. And Bryce
5: Harper, what?
8: Mike Trout and Bryce Harper in the defensive backfield this upcoming season for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're both diehard Eagles. Well, <laughs> Bryce that, Harper
3: said this much yesterday on uh, social media. Oh,
8: wow. Yeah, no, he wants to suit up. And I, I, initially I was like, oh, he'd be a good receiver. But I think, I mean, you talk about center fielders, right? A g- good, you know, free safety back there. Uh, it, could, it could be an interesting duo. I, I, what, we, how the, big is The he? Eagles need that kind of help. Uh, Mike Trout. Six three. Uh, That's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know Mike how Trump's tall he is.
5: Tall enough, but he. But if he was a linebacker, I would hate to be hit by that guy.
3: He's 6'3", 220, So that's a small. Mike Trout is 6'3"? Yeah. Small Mike, linebackers. No, not Mike Trout. Sorry, Bryce oh, Harper. Bryce Harper
5: six
8: Bryce. I, th- I think Mike Trout's a little bit bigger. I, if if I had to guess, but I think they both line up pretty well in the defensive two, backfield.
3: Two thirty five.
5: Wow. Both bigger uh, than.
3: They're I kind of before. big to be in the secondary. All right,
5: but they're fast. Coming up next, which baseball players would make good hockey players? Mike Trout, you know if you're listening. Mike Trout, if you're listening, do it.
3: I could do, do this it. all day. We could do this tomorrow for a couple segments, just opine about what baseball players could play. Just in the give league. me a call. Chris. I'm here all day.
5: <laughs> Thank you, Chris. We appreciate <laughs> it. Yep, no problem. Chris and Carlo, there. Uh, when we come back, Neil Savedra, Tasty Tuesday, what restaurants look like and what they will look like going forward. Gary and Channel will continue. I'm Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The president signed an executive order today on policing following weeks of protests. This is uh, to encourage best practices, uh, tracking officers with excessive use of force complaints, also tying a, a ban on chokeholds to federal funding. Uh, Senate Republicans are also going to unveil a package of policing proposals. Democrats had done the same. He also mentioned today that PGE did plead guilty 84 felony counts of involuntary manslaughter because of the campfire that burned through uh, Paradise uh, almost, almost two years ago now. Hey, Nick. Yeah, Shannon.
3: What did the dressing say to the refrigerator? I don't know what. Shut the door. I'm dressing. <laughs> It was better used, than some of them.
5: I would use used may- mayonnaise instead of saying the punchline yeah. first. Okay. What did the ranch say to the... Yeah.
3: Well, you guys aren't the jokesters, all right?
5: You're right. You're right. That, Neil, strange. she put us in our place. Yeah, I feel I feel put in, in the place. Uh, we were just talking with uh, former Nick, the old producer that we used to have on our show, old Nick, uh, current Oscar, about uh, going to restaurants... And uh, I was out at a restaurant Friday night with my wife. She's a woman I live with. And we had an actual dinner in a place prepared by somebody, not us. Whoa.
3: Was it the first time? Well, because you picked up food. i picked up food.
5: Yeah, all kinds of times. But I mean, but that's different. And there's
3: I just feel like it's such a hassle now still to go to a restaurant that I, I'd rather do the takeout.
5: It was not a hassle. I'll tell you this. We were able to walk in, uh, or I, I walked into like the entryway because there's a big sign that says no entry without a mask. And I poked my head in without putting my damn mask on. And I said, I have a reservation for 730 and it's outside. And she goes, I'll be right there. And she came outside and we sat outside and had our dinner.
3: Do you have to keep your mask on outside?
5: No. Okay. No, I didn't. <laughs> Just in fact, I never, I never put it on uh, when I was walking to the restaurant. But yeah. but sit outside, no mask. You know,
6: The only thing I can think of right now, and I'm not sure why this is in my head, but let's say you went out to dinner this weekend with your lovely wife and like three guys were sitting, you know, making, you know, Googling, uh, uh, is that what you do? No, you ogle. Maybe you, uh, one of the waitresses Uh and you had to confront them with a mask on in your bird shirt, six feet away from the table. How do you pull that off?
3: Yeah, how do you get wow, into an altercation with guys that have dirty mouths? Yeah.
5: Well, I would say this. Um, that's so funny that you bring that up because uh, I was just an arrowhead over the weekend. Um, I would not have been close enough to them in the first place uh, to have heard their conversations because of the separation. So, so
6: what you're saying is that the new COVID rules might cause an uptick in Me Too situations. hmm because no, the, that the good guy isn't close enough to the bad guy to hear it or to confront them.
3: How Maybe. is this affecting Maybe. your vigilante justice?
6: Yeah. <laughs> and that. you can't do the lean. You can't do the grab the e- edge of the table no. and do the lean in. Because like, at that hey,
5: point,
3: you're too close.
6: Yeah. I'm going to rip this table off and kick, kick all three of your asses, but I'm, I'm showing restraint.
3: It doesn't work from six feet away. Mm-mm.
6: I'm I mean, to- I would say I I would say it doesn't work with a bird shirt and like a pomegranate martini or whatever you had. It was uh, a pom- margarita. pomegranate
5: margarita, okay. I'll have you okay. know. And I'm here yeah. to kick. I'm here to drink pomegranate margaritas and kick some ass. And my glass is empty.
6: Yeah, it's best to if you're going to get in a fight, have a drink that doesn't end in an A. It just <laughs> is a rule of mine. It's just a rule of mine. That's a all right. Well that's just a rule.
5: Now you tell me. Now yeah. you tell me.
6: Yeah. Um, Otherwise, go get a shot before you walk over to the table. Hey, can you well, get uh, something neat, just anything brown and uh, thanks.
5: Hey, what so one of the one of the things is, you know, this is the way food is going to be served now is, you know, outside is going to be a huge deal and it's probably going to be a lifesaver, although not necessarily what's going to Make anybody succeed. It's going to keep these restaurants open, but the the one key that I saw was ordering online, menus that are online, ordering oh, yeah. that you can do online, all of that stuff from your table.
6: Yeah, electronic menus are going to become huge, and they probably should have a long time ago. The only bummer is, really, you're looking at a uh, a multifaceted experience, right? You're looking for good food and good drinks and all of those things. So you get one one piece is knocked down because I don't think the bars are open. They could probably still serve alcohol to you at the table, but the bar is not where you can sit there. And and then the, the last thing is the ambiance and the social experience. And man, they're trying to find that balance. The outdoor seating is huge. Some are even getting rid of their um, uh, parking lots in favor of bringing tables outside um, so that people will have a place to sit that is that feels more comfortable um i would also suggest stay out of the pathway of the air conditioner Uh, there's been some studies done at people from people that have gotten sick with covid from um, being out at restaurants and it followed the path of the air conditioner and the people on either side of the the stream um did not get sick so (laughs) Uh, whether they're going to continue those kinds of studies, who knows? Outdoors, I think, is premium, um, and I think that's the smartest way to go for now. It's going to make people comfortable, but the whole thing is is really a mess. I know the story about 50% of the restaurants that have opened got nailed recently. I guarantee they are for minor, minor, minor offenses um, because nobody knows exactly what needs to be done, and it keeps changing, and it depends on a lot of things, but... The restaurant industry is is really um gonna take a massive hit, and I'm not sure what's going to be on the flip side of this come you know the time when there's a vaccine or something that makes everybody feel comfortable
3: Max doesn't know either. I heard him way in there
6: wow he's actually like three rooms away and, and we have like <laughs> Lath and plaster walls, <laughs> Hawkeye.
3: I uh, <laughs> wanted to talk to you about uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter and food brands taking to social media to support the movement and what that really uh, means. Sure.
5: Neil Savedra, host of The Fork Report, has joined us. Gary and Shannon will continue. Oh. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Neil Saavedra, host of the Fork Report, has joined us. Neil, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of companies, not exclusively clothing companies or uh, shipping companies, but all kinds of companies, including food brands, that have uh, tweeted hashtag, uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter uh, and done so talking about what they do as companies or as individual products to... Um, to get behind that movement, does does a company like Gushers have to do that? I'm looking at the tweet here from Gushers. Gushers wouldn't be Gushers without our, the Black community and your voices.
6: Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Okay, first and foremost, let me clarify. You know, I other than supporting Black Lives Matter, I don't. I am not a voice for them or anything. I'm strictly looking. At history and food companies, and and a change in what they're doing. So I, I want to obviously make that clear. the The thing is, there's a couple steps that need to be done, and a couple of chants that you hear. And one of those uh, would be say their name. Remember the names, the per, the people, um, George Floyd and Ahmaud uh, Arbery, and. Uh, Uh, Brianna Taylor, all these names, right? So remember these names is a powerful thing to say, hey, we recognize this, we stand by this. To have your company say, "Um, we stand by this, I think is a powerful thing because that is really, really out of the norm. However, everyone, iHeartMedia, everyone that is in support of this movement that is not political, that is a human issue, has to look inside to so to say something in a tweet uh i think it has some power because it says hey we're we're not ignoring this and we stand with you it is super hard for gushers to find you know if if you at gushers to say hey um yeah thanks for eating our stuff right black people uh love you
5: and they all there's Listen they went on to say we're working with Fruit by the Foot on creating space to amplify that. We're arm in arm with the people who brought you Fruit by the Foot. I mean th- some of those just don't it's
6: hard to say cuz uh,
5: everyone wants
6: to to say first and foremost we're listening, we're standing by you and we're ready for change. But that's that's not this part. It's not where we're at yet. What ends up happening is you have a lot of intensity and this is from, you know, the Me Too movement. Uh, on the, uh, there is, uh, although that's, you know, a smaller part when you look back at the history of, uh, and really not only slavery, but the treatment after slavery, um, that there's power in those, that imagery and understanding these things and to say, Hey, I'm present is great. However, systematic change means all systems should be looking at themselves. Um, us at the station, um, uh, brands, because you look at McDonald's, and McDonald's did a lot of great things bringing um, money and jobs into uh, communities that needed it, uh, or our community, parts of our community that need it. And um, so that's great. But then they also brought with them food that's not great for you, that is inexpensive and ends up um, being uh, more uh, of the food chain. To, chain in that part of our community that needs better things, needs better grocery stores, needs better quick um, options that are uh, not expensive, but also better for you, things like that. So there's this battle between like the inherent isness of these companies. McDonald's is fast, cheap food, um, highly caloric and uh, nutritionally questionable and so they're trying to find that. And as somebody behind the scenes, we, you know, I, we try and do that too with what we're doing um, to make sure that people know. But also, y- you got to look inward and you got to look around and say what can we can, what can we do to break um, the patterns in the system as a whole and our part of that system. And until you see that, then some of these things just look awkward. I mean, they're kind of on point with what's been asked in the sense um you know say that you stand with us okay we stand with you say remember these names okay we remember these names but until there's real action applied to this stuff then it's they're just images or or things like that and i think people are waiting because it's so new for companies to get involved are waiting like, what, what should we do? How do we How do we do this? What do we need to do to make actual change? Well, and how is it so not it just weird.
3: a post or slacktivism? Yeah, or... yeah
6: it's, it's, you know, the last thing I want to do, and I know this is the same with you guys, is, okay, this is a news story and it's come and gone. It's not a news story and it's not a political story and it's not an anti-cop story and it's not, you know, uh, only black lives and it's it there's a lot of people affected but the focus has to be on this group of our community right now that has gotten a crap end of the stick for way too long and all those little pieces that we're a part of each and every one of us needs to be looked at and it's really hard not to look trite or like you're pandering um but uh, i've said this before there's some bad wagons worth jumping on and you know christianity started with 12 guys Somebody had to jump on the bandwagon, <laughs> otherwise they'd be like, "So, what? What do you guys want to do now? I don't want to play Parcheesi? Okay, you know, you got to get active.
5: Now that that guy's gone,
6: yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Wait, you know, he kind of led everything <laughs> around here. What do we do now?
5: <laughs> yeah. Are we going to go an entire calendar year without seeing you?
6: You know what? I keep threatening that I want to pop in, and I and I really need to. I'm I'm starting to. I'm starting to break down mentally, and uh, I fear that I'm going to be, you know, modeling mountains out of mashed potatoes soon, and talking about close encounters. That um, if I don't get out,
5: but, well, uh, we you know. um, we have decided to to um, have separate offices, and Shannon actually moved into your office.
3: Yeah, so. the booze was better in there.
6: Yeah, I do have, and there's what I call Easter eggs, so keep looking. You'll find all kinds of fun stuff. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no. My (laughs) dog makes Easter eggs, too. Just don't tell anybody about anything you find, and um, you know what you guys should do? Hmm. You guys should do the the show remote from my backyard. You can be separate. I will make food, and there's plenty of space for you to be six feet apart, and um, I'll wear a mask. And we'll change things up. Well, I do miss you guys. I only miss if Max will faces. do
5: Swamp Watch for us.
6: Oh, he would. He would. You wouldn't <laughs> understand it, but he could do great. it. Neil, we None of us it. understand
3: it. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs> therein lies the rub.
3: <laughs> Johnny Ken Joe coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, Stay dry everybody. Blessings. That, that was a good show. I really like them.
6: Gary and Shannon.
0: Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop Founding Farmers Market and Grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer, and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery of available.